Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, Open Mic Podcast listeners. Want to share your opinions, give me feedback, or tell me what you're thinking? If you do, send me a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send me audio that might end up in future episodes of the podcast. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform that I use to make this show. Here are some things that I would love to hear from you. What questions do you have for me? What did you think of the episode? What did you think of the topic? Who should I interview next? Make up a theme song. I don't know. Do your best impression of me. I'll see all of your messages and I might add them into a future episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send me a voice message right now from wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in my show notes and I can't wait to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to the Open Mic Podcast. Until next time, cheers and be well and enjoy today's episode. It's time for the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Broadcasting live from the Bay Area studios, here at the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. And of course, you never know who may stop by. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 132 of the Open Mic Podcast. Super excited to be here. We've got a great show for you today. Alec Torelli is joining me. He is a businessman, he is an entrepreneur, a poker player, and he just does a lot of different things. I'm super excited to talk to this guy. Alec has won some of the biggest poker tournaments live and online, and he has traveled to more than 40 countries, applying insights from his experience towards life and business. From his perspective, it's all about freedom, excitement, choices, and green juice. <laughs> So we're going to be joining him here in just a couple minutes. And uh, he's also a digital entrepreneur, a coach, and uh, just a super smart, all-around super cool guy. Really pumped to have him on the show today. You're going to enjoy this interview, I can assure you. Thanks to everybody who joins in with us every week. I I really appreciate it. And uh, it just means the world for us to to know that you watch us and that you want to be uh, a part of what's going on here. And I want to give a shout out to the note guy for leaving us a kind rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That means a lot. And actually, we're going to try and get him on the show here very soon as well. He is a note investor. So that ought to be a fun and exciting conversation as well. So if you're listening, sir, I look forward to uh, having you on the podcast here in the upcoming months. Anyway, without further ado... I'll stop talking and bring on today's guest, Alec Torelli. Welcome into the Open Mic Podcast. It is good to have you here. Great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you for several reasons. You have a fantastic message, and you're also a poker player. But we're not here to talk about how to play poker today. If people want to learn that, I'm sure there are thousands of resources out there that they can go to to figure that out. But I do want to hear about your story and how you got into poker because you play, you don't just, it's not guy's night with what you do. <laughs> it's far more advanced, I would say, especially some of the hands that you bet out. So how did you get started playing poker and where did that all come from? Yeah, just to go off what you said, I think I think some people might not be familiar with playing poker professionally, but I guess the way to think about it that I like to describe to people is kind of like 
you know, let's say you play basketball with your friends on, you know, at LA fitness or at, like on weekends or at the, at the park, like it's the difference between how someone approaches that activity and an NBA athlete. And that's sort okay. of the same sort of thing I would say that is true in poker where it's like, it's just a completely different approach than someone going to the casino and playing casually what it's sort of like to be a professional. But to answer your, your question about how I kind of got started, it was pretty serendipitous. Like I got invited, you know, I was 16 years old. I was in high school. Chris Moneymaker had just won the World Series of Poker main event. I mean, what a name. Oh, um, yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> and he, you know, qualified for $8 online or $30 online. And then he ends up winning, you know, a million, $2 million. And so everybody was obsessed with poker. And, you know, as at a young age, it was impressionable. And I got invited to a friend's house, you know, one day after school and I won $12 my first time playing. And as they say of any, you know, gambler, the worst thing that can happen is you win your first time because then you're hooked. <laughs> and uh, I just became, you know, obsessed with poker. I, I did everything I could to learn. I studied, I, I read books. I, I mean, there wasn't the resources and material that there is available today, but I, I did everything I could. I talked with friends. I thought about the game. I played as much as I could. And I just progressed slowly, you know, like one thing at a time, but I never really looked back. And I always had this idea that I wanted to take this as far as it can go. Yeah, I would say so. And it seems like you've done that, but really, at least from my perspective, outside looking in, that you've just really begun that. Like, how how far does this type of thing typically go? Like, what's the end game, so to speak? So in poker, in terms of like accomplishments within the poker world of like playing poker, um, I've I feel like I've done what I wanted to do in poker. Um, I my goal was always to be able to travel the world and play the you know can play and compete and win in the biggest cash games and tournaments around the world and i feel like I'm, i mainly specialize in high stakes cash games but i feel like i've i've been able to do that i lived in macau for four years and played in you know where there's the biggest games that exist i mean the gaming revenue of, of macau is seven times bigger than vegas and so the with that comes a lot of uh a lot of high stakes poker and there were people that you know flew in from all over the world to play pros that came to play and um I, I was really fortunate to be there and be able to compete in those games and uh do really well there and so i feel like i did what i wanted in poker um i've been uh traveling like just following the the games and the circuits around the world for since i was 18. i'm 31 almost 32 wow. now and so I've like really been blessed. I've been lucky. Cards have fallen my way. I've worked hard, but like, you know, right, right place at the right time. There's, there's luck involved too. And I've been on the right side of it. No, no, uh, no doubt about that. And so I'm really grateful to just have had the opportunity to be able to um, get where I want in terms of like playing as a poker player. Um, but beyond that, it's like, you know, now about where I feel like I'm more just starting my career, even though I've been playing for more than a more than a decade is is basically sharing the messages I've learned in poker that I feel like apply to life and business and can help other people on their journey. And so that's what I'm much more focused on in my 30s than whereas in my 20s, I, I wanted to play poker all the time. In my 30s, it's more about sharing things from poker. And that's where I feel like, you know, is, is a whole new uh, landscape for me. 
Yes, and that actually is a perfect segue to what I want to talk about because here on the open mic, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of thought leaders, and I like to look at it as more of just brain picking, but really how can we take some of these lessons and transfer them over to a practical level, which you perfectly led us into. Thank you for that. Sure, sure. So uh, you played poker for a long time. How did the transition begin when you decided, I want to take this now and teach people? Where did the process begin for you when you realized that you could actually do that? I guess the the, the physical action that I took was opening a YouTube and that I would think was like 2014. And I didn't do that with the idea in mind that like, I'm going to grow some huge business. Like I wasn't trying to grow like a poker business or like trying to sell products and make money. I was uh-huh. just trying to like have an outlet to share things that I've learned with other people. And so I started to just like talk about my life, my travels playing poker, um, lessons I learned from poker, like sharing hands of poker that I played and how to play those hands better. And that show really caught on. It's called The Hand of the Day. And okay. that show really caught on on my YouTube. And over the years, my, my channel's grown to 40,000 subscribers. And so I have a channel now where I teach poker strategy. And on the back end of that, uh, I built a poker business called Conscious Poker, where we share poker strategies to help people improve, you know, become better players, make more money, outplay the competition, et cetera. And so, but that all happened like when I kind of realized I'm like, oh, wow, I have this large audience that all wants the same thing. What product Mm -hmm. or service can I sell them? But that wasn't really like the the goal of my channel. It was mostly just to be able to connect with other people because poker, you know, like, yes, you're traveling around unless you're like playing poker, you know, on a circuit, kind of like tennis where you travel to different events around the world and you play the game, but ultimately it's a solitary sport. Like you're, you know, it's one, you know, it's always like you versus everybody else. And so I always thought it would be cool to have an outlet where I can like connect with other people and meet other people and share with other people. And YouTube really gave me that. It was a platform for ideas. And so anytime I had an idea, I could communicate that message with anyone in the world. And that was always really cool to me, even if I was only reaching, you know, a hundred people to start with. Uh, I always felt grateful that like, you know, someone wanted to hear what I had to say about something. And so I was really like motivated to do that because I always kind of saw poker as a stepping stone to be able to share messages about life. And YouTube was like naturally the one of the best platforms for me able to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I think YouTube is really still becoming a place where people can go and just learn about anything. Yeah. And the fact that you put that out there, I think is helpful to those who who want to learn those particular skill sets. Now, one of the things that I think is probably key in that whole picture is logic and intuition. And from your perspective, do you think that those are two skill sets that can be taught to somebody or is that something that is just naturally learned, so to speak? So a lot of people in poker always are thinking like, you know, you have to pick one, like you have to be one type of player or they think that you're like, you're either an intuitive player that like uses your intuition and relies on that or that you're like a logical player and that you're all about math. But like the, the truth is that I feel like the best players use a combination of both logic and intuition. And if you think about it, like when you meet someone for the first time, it's 
you're using your intuition first, right? Like when, when, when you determine whether or not you like someone, it isn't a logical decision you're making. It's not the color of your, the color of their shirt or their shoes that makes you determine whether or not you like them or you're attracted to them. It's just something that you feel intuitively. But then afterwards you sort of go through this logical process of like analyzing, you know, your relationship, their behavior. And like, if, if this is a person you like or a business deal and you look through like the, the contract and the parameters of the deal to make a logical decision. So you kind of use a combination of both in all these decisions. And I feel like the best poker players do that. They intuitively understand how other people think about the game, but then they also use math to determine like their odds, their equity, their chance of winning, the probability they have the best hand or what cards could come that could help them. And they're really using a marriage of logic and intuition to make great decisions. And I do believe that that's something that can be taught like, you can hone your intuition by becoming better at like becoming more self-aware. Maybe you can do mm-hmm. something like meditating and you can become more self-aware of like your own thought patterns or how you feel or becoming more in touch with your feelings or your emotions. And some people sort of block or repress those things because they don't want to feel anything negative. But you know, when you become more in touch with like feeling any emotion, whether it's uh, hunger to arousal, to frustration, to pain, to anything, you know, you start to become more in touch with like your, your natural intuition, your spirit. And on the logical side, like games like poker and chess, like really help you hone your logical skills for like doing things like a plus B equals C Mm -hmm. like geometry in high school. When you had to do those proofs, like if this is that, then this can't be that. And this could be this. And that's sort of the same process you go through in poker. You're basically saying, okay, these are the actions, the series of actions that my opponent took. What does that lead me to deduce about the types of hands he can have? Well, he bet this way, so he can't have those hands. He didn't bet this way, so he he can have those hands. And you're sort of like systematically narrowing down the types of hands your opponent can have every single situation you face. And that's largely what you're doing in life as well. You're like trying to determine whether or not it's better to... Uh, you know, take this job or or make this, you know, business deal or buy this new home. And you really need to have like your intuition on point. You need to understand intuitively if like that home is going to make you happy. And that's not something you can really do logically. You need to just sort of intuitively understand like whether or not this is a good relationship to be in or a good home mm-hmm. to buy or a good business to start. But then you also need to back that up with math. You need to back that up with say, okay, like I feel like I should open a restaurant. But at the same time, is my business plan strong? Like, does the series of actions that I'm going to take lead to a profitable outcome? And that's something that, you know, poker really taught me very well to understand, like, okay, well, uh, you know, what is my expectation? How much money am I going to make? What is my risk reward? And like analyzing all those variables. So I believe it is something that could be taught. And I think poker you know, is a great, a great teacher. Absolutely. That's definitely one area, clearly, that you have to be <laughs> on your game, no pun intended, to, to really be self-aware. <laughs> so I want to talk about that in the same vein, Alec, because as an entrepreneur, we look at you from the outside in and go, he's been very successful, and not just financially, but just as a whole. I feel like that you're you're living in a place and you're just you you've created this world of freedom of choice and that sort of thing. What would be some practical things that the our audience could benefit from to really achieving those long-term type of goals as an entrepreneur? 
I think what has worked well for me is like first and foremost being clear on what what I call my North Star actually is mm-hmm. and making sure that like what I'm actually looking for is ultimately my desire and not something that's bestowed upon me because of society or my parents or my friends or because I'm trying to impress people on Instagram. So it's like, what are the things that actually would make you happy? And that's where like that self-awareness comes in and being clear on like what your goals are and making sure those goals are yours and that they're ultimately what you want. And so I think that's like the first step because without being clear about what you, where you want to go, like how are you ever going to get there? Mm-hmm. And then it's about basically mapping your actions towards your ambitions, like making sure that the decisions you make in the macro and the micro are helping you achieve those goals. So like, for example, um, uh, I, I use this example in a, in a keynote I gave where I was talking about um, my, my North star being something like, you know, freedom, excitement, and choices. Like that's mm-hmm. what I want more of in my life. So I try and look at everything through the framework of, you know, is this business deal going to give me more of that or less of that? Is okay. it worth, you know, is it worth the obligation or the restriction of my schedule to get more money when ultimately, or is that my priority or is my priority to be able to have complete control over my time and not take mm-hmm. on any commitments? So I look at things, through those lens. And so like I, you know, I was in Tuscany and with, with my wife, we, we, we spend, she's from Italy. So we spend a half of our year in Italy. We're, we're here part of the time we were on a trip down South and we, we were staying at this like beautiful bed and breakfast and we saw these little dogs running around. And I, be, I was like, oh my God, this is so charming. Like I became obsessed and I really wanted this. <laughs> Picture perfect. <laughs> I know I really wanted this dog because I was like, oh my God, it's like so beautiful. You're in this like little rolling hills of Tuscany and there's this dog running around. And like, I was just like, Amber, we got to get a dog. We got to get one of these dogs. So then we started thinking about it. Like that was my like emotional side of things. But then I started thinking about it logically. Like what implications would getting a dog have on my lifestyle? Like what would it do to our freedom, excitement and choices in our life? And ultimately we decided like we, you know, we divide our time between Asia, Italy and the U.S. Like I'm from the U.S., she's from Italy and then we have like poker and business in Asia. So we're there quite a lot. Like what would getting a dog do to these sort of North Star of ours? And ultimately we decided like as exciting as it would be at this point in our life, like ultimately that macro decision to get a dog is not something that's going to help us achieve more of our North Star. And I feel like if you look at the people's like life situations and then you ask them about their goals, a lot of times their decisions aren't leading them towards their goals. They're actually taking them away from their goals. And a lot of people make these big decisions. Like they buy huge homes when all they say, and then I tell, I'm like, oh, you know, uh, last month we were like traveling here and they're like, oh my God, I would love to, to travel more. But then they have, you know, a huge mortgage because they have a big home, a dog and three kids and a fancy car. And it's like, those things are great. I'm not here to tell anyone what their North Star should be. It's just about making sure that the decisions you make are helping you achieve more of that. In the micro, like the small decisions, I would say the biggest thing people could do is track their spending because what gets measured gets managed. And ultimately, the amount of money you have discretionary to spend on different things you want is like your resource to be able to do more of what you want in your life. And a lot of times people think they need a lot of money to live the life they want. Whereas in reality, they need to control their time because the things Mm -hmm. you want to do in life don't necessarily cost that much. Like I remember writing down a bucket list item that I had in my early twenties where what I really wanted to do was learn Italian. 
like learning Italian doesn't really cost that much money, but like it does cost some money and some resources, but it's like being clear on where you're spending your money and where you're spending your time is ultimately going to help you determine like how to cut out all the excess and the things that aren't serving your highest priorities. So you can channel your extra free time, you know, maybe cut out Netflix, cut out social media and, and extra money that you're spending on, you know, subscriptions or things you don't need or eating out or whatever it is, or fancy things to impress people or whatever, that money and time could be channeled towards what's going to ultimately get you more of what you want in life, whatever that North star is. Maybe it's, you know, living in France for six months, but like those, that doesn't necessarily cost that much money. It maybe costs, you know, you can live in France for a thousand dollars a month if you're, if you're resourceful. Uh So it's like just first understanding what it is you're looking for and then really auditing all the decisions you're making and making sure that those things are getting you more of what you want. I love it. And I think that is very true I, I like what you said about managing your finances well and just really looking at things under a microscope, so to speak. Like, is this expense really worth it? Like it's a car or a house. If you're trying to get from A to B, you know, I guess what's stopping you is is maybe you're spending or maybe you should spend this money here instead of there. And, and I imagine, have you had some challenges in your life? You obviously don't need to get into specifics where you've made certain deals and you go, I kind of wished I hadn't done this and it's affected me in a bad way. Or you just take the deal and you just move on and learn from your 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 mistake or, or, or whatever the case might be. I, I wasn't like great at this habit as a young adult. Like I did well in poker at a young age and i i came onto money at a very young age playing poker and i was terrible at managing it so i would do things that like weren't necessarily helping me achieve my north star because i wasn't really like i always i always prioritize spending money on experiences rather than things but i Mm -hmm. also spent money on like like I bought a super fancy car. I bought an M6 BMW when I was 18 or 19. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, but it's like, I don't regret it because it was something that was on my bucket list. But at the same time, it's like just never something I would do now because it's just not something I value to like do that. Especially if I wouldn't buy it new, I'd buy like used at five years old or something. Like just made a stupid like, financial decision to like do that, something like that. So this wasn't something I was always good at. It's something that I learned like through, you know, being more mature over time and ultimately, um, my wife is like very good at this. I learned a lot from her, um, in this respect. So I think I've sort of been blessed to be around people that are, you know, wiser and more mature than me in this area. And then also learning through your own sort of mistakes, um, I think helps a lot. Um, but a one resource that I like put together that worked really well for me is, uh, on, on my website, alectorelli.com, I made available for free, like the financial sort of planner that I use to kind of help other people um, go through the same process and kind of like write out like what their goals are and what, how much each goal costs and how much their, their ideal lifestyle costs in terms of money and then figure out like how much that's going to be per month on a monthly basis. And then like how much, you know, reverse engineer to figure out how much you need to make to do the things in your life or that you want and whatever. So I made those resources available and that's a good starting place, I think um, for people. Absolutely. So what would be Alex's definition of an entrepreneur? For for me, it's about working. It's not about the person that has like 
you know, you'd have to work for, you know, do something that you're, you're working on to create using your business or your work or what it is you're working on to create your ideal life for yourself. So for me, it's not about the person that has like the biggest company unless that's what they want. So like I would measure success be based on the person achieving their goals through their business. And I believe like your business should be there to facilitate what your deeper desires are. And so for me, like poker, I always viewed it as something I loved intrinsically doing. I actually do love the process of playing poker, but I always saw success in poker uh, as me being able to travel the world and see the world because of poker. And so for me, it wasn't about playing in the biggest games necessarily or making the most money. It was about being able to live the lifestyle that poker allowed me. And the same is true in business. Like I run my own business, but um, I run it online. I produce, you know, content. I create videos. I write blogs. I have a members, membership area through our, our poker site. Um, and all those things I can do from anywhere in the world. So it's not about having, you know, the most amount of subscribers or the most amount. Like it's just about making enough money that I need to live the lifestyle I want, which isn't that much, and being able to to live the life that I want, which means being able to, to go where I want, to travel when I want, to to see different places, to have different experiences. Um, and so that's what I think, you know, being an entrepreneur really means for me. And that's what I think success really means. Freedom of choice, really. Yeah, it's not, it's not about the money. It's just about controlling. Like I asked, I put a poll on my Twitter where like I asked people like, what would they rather have? Like what, which, which scenario would they rather choose? Um, you know, scenario A is, is you make a million dollars a year and you're, you know, in some typical like investment banking job, but you work 60 hours a week. And option B is that you work online, you run an online business, but you make a hundred K a year. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I was fascinated, like half the people chose the million dollar a year job. And to me, like I would, I would never choose that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. It's just like, I would really value controlling my time and working from anywhere I want and running an online business where like I could be completely happy on hundred K a year. I could travel the world and do whatever I want with that amount of money, but I work from wherever I want. And so I can structure my life in any way I want. Whereas I felt like even if I made a million a year, if I'm working 60 hours a week in one physical location, I'm locked in. And so the, for me, the extra money wouldn't be worth it because it doesn't enhance my lifestyle in any way for mm-hmm. the things that I personally value. And so like, that's sort of how I've approached um, my my life and career so far. And it's, you know, again, it's all about your individual priorities and what works well for you. So I want to talk about mentorship and leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay. I ask this of all my entrepreneurs because I, I like to get your perspective. So what is your advice or perspective for someone who is looking either to you or is just looking for a mentor all around? What is your best practices to get in front of that person and and have them either give you advice or teach you that sort of thing? I mean, aside from just like absorbing their content and stuff, like I, I think that's tough because the people that you you know, probably reach out to or want look up to and assuming they're like an influencer is probably mm-hmm. assuming they're not like, 
you know, your uncle's friend or something like that. It's, you know, <laughs> like a public figure or an influencer sure. or a CEO or something. They probably get a lot of requests and it's tough. Um, I wish I had a great hack for something like this. So I got to be honest, like I actually don't have someone that I've sought out to, to mentor me from that position. So I don't have a way that I've as, as like the mentoree or the apprentice have tried to like do that. And I also haven't had someone that I've personally mentored like that much. I do interact with all, like a lot of my fans through like Instagram, okay. like, talk to people. Um, I think, I guess if I think about my habits, you know, the, yeah. best, the best way to get in touch with me would probably be like to DM me on Instagram. So I think like, if I think about what works for me, for someone wanting my attention, I think that would work well for someone wanting anyone's attention. Um, it's just like the place where the attention is the most immediate and it's just like the easiest to get in touch with someone. It's like the most direct. Whereas like email, it's like feels like a chore where like nobody really <laughs> wants to be on email. Yeah. Whereas like Instagram or like maybe even Twitter, it feels just like more personal and like just easier to kind of like absorb a message that's really short. And so I think that's a good place. I think like one other strategy that I think would be like useful is just like so many people just like DM you and ask for something right away. Oh yeah. Like yeah. That's kind of like what I was expect- getting at. Yeah. Expectation. Yeah. Whereas I think like doing the reverse, like talking to the person about what you can offer them. Okay. Even if, even if, even if you're not really offering them anything, even if it's like mentorship, maybe like you can be like, well, I can, help your business in this way. I could work for you in this way. I could offer my services in this way in exchange for your time. So I've had, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of, actually I've had a few relationships in my life where like they've wanted me to coach them at poker, which, okay. is, which is a paid service I offer. But in return, they had something of value they could have offered me. So we did like a service exchange, like, hey, I could help you with your website, for example. And like, I'll fix your site or do this for you if you coach me for poker and we'll like, we'll work together for a month, you know, like I'll, I'll do this project for you. If you spend this many hours working with me and I'm like, okay, because then, you know, you're, you're kind of like on the same level and something like that. So if there's something of value you can offer to someone, I think that's the best lead um, to getting that relationship going. And, and that's really what I was looking for. Like, cause I imagine you, because you're so good and so popular in that world and just period, people probably reach out to you like all the time and poker coaching or like, yeah, helping yeah. improve at poker. <laughs> hey, I like, want to, it's impossible, be right? Yeah. yeah. It's impossible. If someone's just like, Hey, teach me poker. Like you're always going to say no. Cause it's like, you just, you can't scale that. Like if I had a clone, I would do it. Or if there was like a, a robot, I can give them, I would do it. But like, I can't just like call everyone that DMs me on the phone and like spend an hour with them helping them in the poker game. Like I wish I could, but you can't. So I think it's important to find something that distinguishes you from everybody else. Yeah. And I appreciate your honesty and candor in that because, uh, you know, I imagine I, I've talked to different people and, and, and they just get reached out to all the time and, Hey, can you teach me this or teach me that? And it's kind of like, okay, well, there's probably <laughs> a better way to approach it, so to speak, to really get my attention instead of, you know, is this like a crazy fan that <laughs> it's trying to get my attention? Yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful for all the DMs I get. Like, I'm grateful that someone wants, 
you know, me to help them or like ask me a question or they're curious about like my perspective on something, which is why I have like an ask Alex show, or sometimes I take questions on Instagram and respond to them through my social, but like, you know, it's hard to get in touch with everyone. So I think, you know, distinguishing yourself in some way makes sense. Kind of like thinking about your response ahead of time instead of like an impulsive sort of DM. Yes, I had Evan Carmichael on. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I heard but of him, yes. Yeah, so I was talking to him about the same question. And he's like, he responds to his fans oftentimes in video form. But he'll get questions like, how do I get verified on Instagram and that type of stuff? You know, how it's do like I Google get the blue? It. Yeah, I know. And he's like, you know, <laughs> that's hilarious. He goes, <laughs> sorry. He goes, well, is that the question you really want to ask? Because this is your one shot to talk to me and that's what you want to find out. So yeah, you heard it folks, Alex Torelli, just Google it. it there's a world out there uh, of all that information. So I want to wrap up with conscious poker because I find this very interesting. Yep. And then I have one question that I want to ask. I solicited some questions in a Facebook group. And so I have one question. It's a little cheeky, but I figured we'd save it to the end. Okay, uh, yeah. So conscious poker, what is that all about? Well, I started a, like I said, on the back end of kind of like having a large audience that were asking me similar questions. I started some poker training and I had some products that we would, we would sell to help people become better at poker. And I would, also give my services. People would always ask me, Hey, do you do coaching? Do you coaching? Like, can I work with you? Or can I like, you know, work with you in person or something like that? So I started a, in 2017, I started a poker training site called conscious poker, where we have like a members area where people can join. And for a you know, monthly fee, they get group coaching with me. They get weekly strategy videos of, you know, advanced concepts that I don't really share anywhere else, not on my YouTube or anything. And they get a, members only area where they can get feedback from myself and a conscious poker coach. This was kind of my way to put like a filter up to like people that were really serious about getting their questions answered. Like I will answer them. We have a private Slack group where like everyone that has a question has different threads and like me and another conscious poker coach are responding to all their hands and all their questions on a daily basis. And it's like a way that I can, you know, give as much of myself as possible. But at the same time, you're doing it to the people that actually are like going to benefit the most and that are the most Mm -hmm. serious about improving. And um, so we have a great members area, uh, a lot of motivated people trying to improve at poker. And that's like the, the gist of the training site. I called it conscious poker because one of the goals was to like raise awareness of self and people in the poker space in general, that um, there's a lot of, uh, people in the world that weren't dealt winning hands in life. And like, I believe that, you know, everybody that's there consuming my content and that is playing poker and that, you know, is lucky enough to get to play a game for a living or just be have discretionary money to play a game means that you're in, in the game of life. You know, you're, you've already won, you're dealt a winning hand and, mm-hmm. um, and that's really all that matters. And there's a lot of people out there that weren't dealt winning hands. And a lot of the times I've traveled to some third world countries, you see, see that in in practice and it really sticks with you and so it's made a big impact on on me and the way that i've kind of seen the world and so one of the things that we're passionate about is is giving to those sources and so we partnered with a charity called reg which is raising for effective giving it's it's made by poker players where they 
are a proponent of what's called effective altruism, where like they okay. aim to make they aim to make each dollar donated have the highest impact. So they 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 value every you know they they look at you know charities in in the sense of like you know every human life is worth the same amount, but it's more efficient to save human lives in you know Africa than it is in the U.S. because it costs you know maybe like five to seven percent of the cost to save a human life in africa i don't don't quote me on the number but it's like mm-hmm. something like you know 10 times more efficient to save a human life in africa than it is in um the us I've heard or, that. or in europe and so what they do is they find the causes where your dollar goes the furthest and they do something like against malaria foundation is one of the charities they back which um it's the cheapest way to save a life and one of the cheapest ways in the world. And so, you know, part of our monthly subscription, 10% goes to, to them and to reg. And so that was one of the things like me as a person, like my personal brand, I'm like really passionate about. And in my keynotes and some of the lessons that I've learned in poker that I, that I'm trying to share about life is like one of those things about, you know, just gratitude for the hand that you've been dealt and focus on playing it. Well, of course, uh, as part of the, as part of the message too, but, um, but that's one of the reasons and the motivations behind the name of the brand in general is just being more conscious of, of the way that the world works in that way. Love it. Love it. And all of that information will be in our show notes as well and how people can donate if they want and just join in and be a part of that. So everybody's familiar with the film Molly's game. That's yes. like a big deal. <laughs> but I want to ask you on a, so that's see, that's pretty true to form from what I understand just from the book yeah, and great movie. interviews. Great yeah, book. yeah. I've been trying to get her for a long time. It's she's a hard get, but I'll keep trying. Uh, losing hand, so to speak, when it comes to requesting her to be on the show, but that's totally fine. Um, but movies like Casino Royale, like all these poker type movies where there's yeah. these underground games and that sort of thing, people want to know. Does that sort of thing really exist in your world or is it just mostly sensationalized and it's not really that flashy and glamorous, so to speak? Well, you threw in a few different movies there. So in general, it's it's <laughs> sensationalized, but something like Rounders is a, is a great film. Oh, really? About like underground games in, in New York, like, like, a, like a poker hustler. I mean, some of the things are like a little dramatized, of course. But uh, that's a great movie, great film. I watched that coming up and was like, you know, obsessed. Uh, Molly's Game is amazing. So, the, the, you know, it's obviously based on a true story. Um, I like know some of the characters. Um, obviously, it's done at the highest level. So it's not like, you know, it's it's a it's a motion picture because it's not a five hundred dollar buy in home game. It's a, you know, it's a five hundred thousand dollar <laughs> buy in home game. So obviously that's the highest level of what you see. And that's always going to be a different experience than the average one that you might see if you play a home game in LA or New York city, there are home games that do exist. And, and, and most of them, you know, 95% of them, 99% of them are, are nothing like that. Right. Just like in the, in the, if you watch poker on TV, you see people sitting with a couple hundred thousand dollars and like this, you know, beautiful casino with like this amazing food and like this incredible ambiance and like these, you know, sexy girls walking around with martini <laughs> drinks and like all this stuff. Like, you know, the average experience, if you go into a casino with $200 and play poker, like somewhere in like 
random, you know, rural America or anywhere. It's like it's not Reno, be, Nevada. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be like walking into the high stakes game at the win in Vegas. Okay, and so you have to like, you know, there's always going to be like an an elite experience that's like that. But it's kind of like sports, right? Like when you watch, you know, basketball at the highest levels, and you see, you know, people play in the NBA. It's like you know, amazing. But if you watch like, you know, a street basketball game, it's not as glamorous. It's not as like sexy. There's not like an audience and cheerleaders and like, yeah. so it's sort of like that in poker too. Like what you see is okay. the quintessential example, but, um, you know, not every poker game is like that. <laughs> well, thanks for answering that. Uh, the listeners will appreciate that. I, I yeah, had to ask. So Alec, where can people learn more about you and find out about your resources that you have available both on the poker side and on the entrepreneurial side. Yeah. So just at Alec Torelli on any social media, um, you can look me up on Instagram. I'm there, you know, posting regular content, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, um, our training site is conscious poker. And, uh, that's a great place to learn strategy poker. If you want to improve your game, there's a ton of free content there. We have a blog and free downloads that we send people on which hands to play and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then alectrelli.com is where I share like my personal journey and blog and stuff like that as well, uh, as well as those financial worksheets too, if people want interested in that. So yeah, look me up. I'm very like responsive, attentive on social media. And I try and like interact with people and respond as answers questions as much as possible, whether it's, you know, directly through DM or uh, like Evan does in videos, like, you know, picking the best questions and then featuring them in future videos is something I've been doing for a long time too. So uh, very accessible. It's a great way to get in touch with me. And if you watched this podcast, uh, let me know as well on social. Just say, hey, I you know, I was on the open mic. I, I heard you on the open mic. I'd love to hear that you found me from here. That would be awesome. So get in touch. Say hi. I'd appreciate there it. There you have it, folks. Alec, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Once again, a big, huge thank you to Alec Torelli for being on the show today. That brings today's episode to a close. Thanks again, everybody, for being a part, supporting the show, and just giving us some love. We will see you on Wednesday. Until next time, let somebody know that you love them. Let them know that you care, and we'll talk to you soon. That brings today's episode to a close. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. Until next time, cheers and be well.